morning, church. I'm excited about today. I'm excited about the next three weeks as we have been, little did you know, we've been preparing for this moment as a church for a couple months. I've been working through Exodus, looking at the way of the cross, looking at the gospel according to Exodus, but in my heart, I knew that this would be preparation for these next three weeks. So if you would pray with me right now. Well, wait, wait a minute. Why are we praying? Because I asked you to. But why, why do we even pray? Think about it. I mean, it, it gets kind of routine in our household when it's mealtime. Dad prays. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Thank you. You know, we say our little prayer, amen, and then we dive in. And we just, we have a routine. Some of you get up in the morning, say your prayer. Some of you pray a lot because school just finished up, so you were praying a lot this past week. Oh, Lord. But why do we pray? Why, why do we even pray to, to do this? And it can be easily answered if you look at my life. That's why I pray. Some of you look at your life, you go, there's reasons why we pray, right? Have you seen my life? Have you seen what I go through? Have you seen my kids? Have you seen my wife? And she takes care of the five of us kids. Yes, I have four little daughters, but I'm one of them. One of the kids. We have many reasons to pray. And the Bible speaks of many reasons. We have requests, needs, confessions, intercession. We have many reasons to pray. But I'm not going to look at why we pray. Look at your life. But one thing I think about when we pray, people around the world pray. In most religions, people pray. Why do people pray? In fact, I was trying to go through and think through. I was going to say every religion, in every religion they pray, and there are a few that maybe they don't pray, but in every religion they pray. But I want you to get this. This will be up on the screen here. How do we know that we're right when we pray? This is very important. The reality of your faith is only as good as the object it is placed in. So let me say this. All other religions fail in prayer. Because they're putting their hope in something that's not real, and it's empty. When we pray, our hope, our faith is based on a true reality. Amen? Unlike the rest of the world. So I just wanted to put that in you. If some of you wonder about prayer, this is very important. The reality of your faith is only as good as what it's placed in, right? If I would have made a paper chair for you today and say, sit in this as we gather together in church, would you sit in it? Probably not. It's a paper chair. But the hard question is this. How are we to pray? How are we to pray? And for me, that's a tough one. Let, let me give an example of what I'm, what I'm speaking of here. I have many issues. Amen? Yes, I do. One of the problems I have is spelling. If you've ever seen my notes, you'd be like... Is he in fifth grade or something? And 
part of it I, I want to attribute to, because when I was a little kid, I went from this Christian school to this Christian school to this Christian school, and I, my, my family moved right at the point where you're supposed to learn to spell, and I went quick to a public school, then I went to this other school, and spelling was just kind of put to the side, so I kind of blame it to that. And in college, this is before computers autocorrect. I had a typewriter. Oh, man. It was not a good thing. It, primarily because I would just type it up and hand it in. I would never read it, you know, have someone look at it. it was just... So to help myself to answer my questions with spelling, you can't just go phonetically doing it. Because I say pecan, and you say what? Pecan. I'm from a different area. I say Oregon, you say Oregon. So even phonetically, you can get messed up. So I need to turn to an authority when it comes to spelling. And that's a dictionary, correct? I have a dictionary on my desk. Truly do. I have issues with prayer. More than I do with spelling. How many have issues with prayer? Okay, there's three or four of us only. Wow. Okay, maybe there's more. And it's the, the word how. But it's not how to as in methodology. It's how come. When I really sit down and think about prayer, it's not how to methodology. It's how come. And I have many questions. Take a look at some of these and maybe write them down. They're on the screen here. How many of you ever had this question? How come God does not answer my prayers? Anyone? How come you don't answer my prayers? Which really, some of, some of the subcategories would be, I can't understand why he continues to ignore my deepest needs. Lord, I've got these issues. Help me, whether it's sickness or an issue I have, or please, there's a house in Wisconsin. Sell it. You can do it. Orchestrate something. It's a beautiful log cabin nestled in the woods. How come it's been years? It sounds funny, but it's real. How come you're ignoring me? If God really was concerned about me, he would answer my prayers. How come? So that's a question I have. How come? Or another one here. How come we pray? How can we pray if God is in control of everything? If he's completely in control, why should I even pray? I mean, if he's already sovereign completely, everything's ordered out, set up, he's the sovereign king, how come I pray then? Well, what's the point of praying? Or this one. May not be on the screen here. How come Pastor John gets all his prayers answered and I don't? How many of you ever feel like that? Where you feel like, how come that guy always gets his prayers answered? You hear all these stories, how come they always get how come Pastor John always gets this? And I'm waiting, Lord, answer one. How come? Let me just pause here. These kind of sound funny, but these are real. And I ask you, truly, write some of these down. How come? If God already knows the future, why pray? you ever think about that? If he already knows the future, why pray? Or, 
how do I give all my worries to God when I don't even know all my worries and troubles and burdens? I've got so many. How do I truly give them to God? How do I do this? Well, here's another one. How do I know the will or the voice of God? That's a big one. How do you truly know his will when you pray? How do you know his voice? How do you know? Maybe you're supposed to, you're making a big decision, and, well, I'm going to choose this. Well, maybe it was the tacos you ate last night that's not selling right, and that's how you feel. How, how do we know the voice, the will of God? Here's another one. How do I become intimate with an invisible God? That's profound. How do I? He's so transcendent. How does this work? Or this one. Probably one of the most famous ones. How should a Christian respond to unanswered prayer? How should a Christian respond to unanswered prayer? Or, what can I tell an all-knowing God? He already knows our needs. Why should I tell him? That's a good one. Or this, why pray to a God who lets people hurt? Have you seen suffering? Have you tasted of suffering? Have you seen suffering in your family? Come on, Lord, sort this out. Why pray to a God who lets people hurt? Or this one, does God need my prayers to have the power to act? Hmm. Does God change his mind? Why pray if God already knows what I need? Why pray since I don't get what I wanted the last time I prayed? Does God only answer prayer when enough people have prayed or enough prayers are sent up? He's got to have a hundred of them and then he answers it. To whom are we to pray to? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever think about that one? What do we pray to? What, what, the, the Trinity. What are we to do here? Or what is the connection between prayer and fasting? Is there ever, ever any evidence that God truly answers prayer? Or is it just circumstance? Is corporate prayer important? Is it truly important? Or, here's the last one. I really don't believe in the power of prayer. Let me state this. And you may have more. And this week I'm going to be calling some of you. Do you have more to add to that list? Because some of you have some that are like, hey, I've got one that, Pastor Cody, you missed out on. I've been struggling on this issue of prayer. Get this in you. Many of these questions, as legitimate as they are, Listen to this. Many of these questions, as legitimate as they are, have an incorrect view of God. And I believe, and we will see in the next couple weeks, the more correct view you get of God, some of those answers change, and most of them are answered. When you get the correct view of God, you will change some of those questions because you realize that's not the right question to ask. Really, the right question to ask is this. And I believe that these questions will be answered. So, how do we answer these questions about prayer? 
as I have learned with spelling, I need to not just listen and hear how other people say the word Oregon. I'll just look at the word. It's Oregon, the Oregon Trail. That's all. I need to turn to a dictionary, an authoritative book. So in your questions of prayer, the first place you should turn to is this book here. This book, the Bible. And that's what we're going to do these next couple of weeks. We're going to use this word and help us. This will show us and teach us about prayer. And if you recall, a few weeks ago, maybe it was a month or so ago, we talked about prayer. And take a look at the list here. We talked about this. I want to get this in you. I kind of made these words so you remember CPR. When you need help, you do CPR, right? Okay. In the scope of prayer, intercession, I said, is one of the greatest what? Number one, it's a confidence. Prayer is confidence that we can acquire with God. And notice the words, it's something you acquire. When you're with him, you gain this confidence. If you were to come with me and uh, climb a mountain, you hopefully would put your confidence in me because I have some skills, not complete skills, but you'd put your confidence in me. We have confidence in the Lord. When we pray... That should be the number one thing. We put our confidence in him. Not in our own abilities. Not in what we think should be right. Lord, here's what you should do. Do this, do this. I'm I'm prone to do that often. Here's my prayer. Lord, here's how you're going to sort this out. You're going to sell the house. We'll make extra money. I can use that for missions. And voila, you'll be glorified. No. My prayer is in the confidence. Not in my ability, but in him. Second one, the scope of prayer intercession is one of the greatest privileges we receive from God. Listen to this. Prayer is a privilege that we get to have with the Almighty, maker of all things, sovereign King. It is a privilege. And church, we're about to learn together the privilege of prayer and see the beauty of prayer. And the last one, intercession is one of the greatest reliefs we can give someone. It's one of the greatest gifts you can give someone to pray. And we are going to learn about that. CPR, remember that. And we have seen how Moses put his confidence in God. Just think of this. The key foundation of prayer is knowing the character and the promises of God. And often we see in the Bible, the saints, when they pray, they appeal to his character. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the character. In the passage we saw last week, take a look at Exodus 34. Exodus 34, the Lord has revealed himself in 13 words. He said, If you want to know me, if you want to know what I'm about, this is who I am. And in 13 words, he describes his character. We we took a lot of time for this reason these next couple weeks. So we understand and lean upon his character. And then, after he shows that, Moses does what? He bows down, worships, he says he's sorry, he repents, and the Lord renews the covenant. And it's interesting 
that the repentance and request that Moses has is founded on the preceding discourse the Lord gave to him, his character. Because the Lord showed his character, Moses then responded in that way. And that's where every other religion fails. For them, it's about doing. In the Lord, it's about responding to him. In the presence of such a God, of course, that's the response. Moses responds to the character of God. And I have learned so much about prayer in Scripture. And I continue to see this. And here's the next slide. And here's kind of the main thing. Write this down. For three weeks we're looking at this. The best way to answer our questions about prayer, all those, that list I had, and your list might be longer. The best way to answer those is not your circumstances, not all the popular books on prayer. The best way to answer our questions about prayer is to let God's nature and character answer the questions. Because that's how the saints in the Old Testament and the New do it in their prayers. When you look at the prayers, and I'm, one of my goals is in three weeks, I'm going to give you a list of all the prayers in Scripture and just read through them, and you'll see they appeal to his character, they appeal to his nature. The best way to answer our questions about prayer is to let God's nature and character answer these questions. And I've got many books on prayer. My, I thought about bringing all my books, but it would be boxes of books on prayer. I said this a while ago. Most pastors have three popular books in their topics in their library. One is evangelism, because pastors want to find different ways to help their church reach out. The other one is the Holy Spirit, because for some reason in America, that's the one that's the mystery to a lot of pastors, and they don't know how to really explain it. They see other denominations. They want to make sure their denomination lines up with the best way. But the most popular book, if you go to a pastor's library, topically is on prayer. One, because they really have a desire to learn about prayer, they struggle with prayer, and they want to walk with the Lord. So my goal is to bring all my books and show you these are some of the great books on prayer. And I've learned a lot from books and teachers. And this is one of the key things I've learned. I have learned to look at prayer from the standpoint of who God is. Write this down. We look at prayer from the standpoint of who God is. We look at prayer from the standpoint of who God is, not from the standpoint of the issue or the circumstance. Because in my pain and misery and suffering, I can be overwhelmed by that circumstance, that suffering, and look at it from that view. But when we look at prayer from the viewpoint of who God is, it many times is completely different. Does that make sense? We need to look at it from his point of view, from who God is. And then we've got to deal with this question. And really, this is kind of what I want to deal with today. What is the purpose of prayer? Some of you were kind of jarred when I said, would you pray with me? Then I go, wait a second, why are we even praying? You're like, what? Well, what is the 
purpose of prayer. Well, some people, their view of God, which is incorrect, think that God is this great, mighty God with lightning bolts and storm clouds and this big Gandalf up there who's just ready to kind of, and we kind of humbly shake and tremble. We come and we go, Lord, please help me in this situation. You're shaking and the big voice comes, my child, you have sinned. And you're like, I'm sorry. You know, we, we get this view that that's who God is. What is the true purpose of prayer? Let me say this. Many people think prayer is to get things and get answers. Think of some of your prayers. The way you pray, it may show that you think prayer is about getting things or getting answers. Think about that. If you think prayer is about getting things and answers, if that's the purpose of prayer... No wonder prayer is confusing. No wonder prayer is just, oh, it's time to pray. All right, God, thanks a lot. And honestly, most books out there on prayer deal with methodology and how to get answers. And I find it interesting that sometimes popular prayer books come out and it's all about here's how you have and coerce God into giving you what you want. What? And people gobble that stuff up. Is the purpose of prayer to get things? As if prayer is about doing and getting. And here's the problem again with all other religions. Their view of prayer is doing certain things, vending machine God, put this right change, put this button, and you get your Snickers or your bag of Fritos and you're happy. What? That is not the view of prayer in Scripture. No wonder we have so many how come. No wonder we have so many questions about prayer if we think prayer is about getting things and answers. Do we pray because God needs some kind of convincing? No. Do we pray because we need to align our hearts with God? Yes. Maybe you need to write that down because that's to your heart. Do we need prayer that God needs convincing? No. Because sometimes I feel like I'm doing that with God. I'm arm wrestling him. Oh, sell the house. No, you're not going to sell. Yeah, please do it. Help me out. Get my family here soon. All these. Do we need prayer that we need to kind of convince him? Lord, I'm really in need here. Help me out. Do we need prayer because we need to align our hearts with God? Yes. Thus, what if the true purpose of prayer is, here it is, what if the true purpose of prayer is to know God? Just write that down. The true purpose of prayer is intimacy with God. Imagine if that would be the case. If prayer was truly about intimacy with the Lord. And we will soon see this as we look at Jesus at the end of his life, how he prays, what he prays, John 17, we realize prayer is really, the purpose is being intimate. That doesn't mean that you can't have requests and, and plead with the Lord and all those things, but the main purpose, as I've seen in Scripture, and I may change this as I grow older, 
But I think the true purpose of prayer is intimacy with God. Imagine my related Father's Day. My children are not with me. And some of you know what that's like because you're older now and they've moved on and I'm not old and you all smile about that. And my kids are coming back in two days and I cannot wait for the day of that reunion. But imagine if we Skype. I call every day and Skype is when you can communicate on computer. They got a camera, you got a camera. You can talk and sometimes it freezes and their face is like this and you wait for it to connect. And Imagine if I was with my children on Skype and the relationship with my daughters was just about getting and getting answers. They come back and I see them and our relationship is about, all right, Dad, feed me. Here you go. Here is food. And it's all about give me, Dad, and I give you. What a weird relationship, right? When we're together... With my daughters, the primary thing is intimacy. And that's hard for some of us because some of us have had fathers that were not like that at all. Some of you have had fathers that are just aloof, far away, just very distant. You didn't connect. My father once threw me a baseball, said, have fun, and walked away. And I went, oh. But in my relationship with my daughters, it's about intimacy. Deep communication. Yes, I will feed you. Yes, it might be pizza. Woohoo! But really, who cares about the pizza? It's about the joy and the communion that we can have together, right? The true purpose of prayer is intimacy with God in a deep relationship. Listen to this. Write this down. We may pray most effectively when we make God the main desire of our hearts. When he is the main desire, not the answer to this problem, not the answer to this question, not the how come, how come, but when he comes the main desire, when he is the main focus and the purpose, that's when prayer, I believe, is most effective. Then, the answers to our questions about prayer are resolved. And I said the questions, not the answers to the issues, because it is very possible and likely that those issues will never be resolved, because the Lord is not about just going, yes, 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 here you go. The Lord is more concerned, I believe, about the intimacy that he has with you. And it might be this issue you have is there so that you can be more intimate with him, so you're more dependent on him. Prayer is dependency. We have the confidence in him, not our own. Then the answers to our questions about prayer are resolved by knowing the nature and the attributes of God. Again, we pray most effectively when we make God the main desire of our hearts. The issue then is not that, as many of us have, fix this problem, but the main issue is do I truly know God, his nature and his attributes and his character? Do you know God when you pray? When we know the capacity of God, things change. 
Many times it's not the circumstances, but our understanding changes. When we know the capacity, the fullness of who he is, and we'll see how the saints of old appeal to the fullness of God, the full capacity of God, then things change. And for us, most of the time, it's the change of heart. So here it is. Here's one of the key things I'm just trying to work and just try to boil this down. It's this. Prayer is about knowing him, which is, take a look up here, intimacy with God. Prayer is about being intimate, walking with him, being with him, intimacy. And some of you don't have that. Some of you live in this Christian house in your heart. Your house is the heart, and you're with this relationship with the Lord, and you're in the basement yelling through the vents, Dear Lord, good night, have a good night, and he's way up in the attic. You're not intimate with him. Imagine if that was the case with my wife. You come over, I'm in the basement, and she's up there, and we go to bed, and you're like, that's a weird relationship. Freaky marriage, right? Prayer is about being intimate with God. Let me just say this. Imagine if this was true. Prayer would be a joy. Prayer would be, prayer would be something you'd be like, Right? I'm dumping this hobby I used to have and just walking, being intimate with the Lord. Wouldn't that be great? And most people don't get this. No wonder prayer is, it's time to pray. People who get this, I believe, have a glow about them because they know the joy and beauty of prayer. So prayer is knowing Him. Intimacy with God. And secondly, Prayer is about changing us when we see the capacity, the fullness of God. He changes our hearts. Yes, at times our circumstances do change, but God is more interested in developing our character than preserving our comfort. Very important. He's all about shaping us to be like Christ. So, knowing Him. So what we're going to do the next two weeks is this. The next slide. We are going to look at four of the main attributes, characteristics that people turn to when they turn to the Lord in prayer. They turn to his whole being, but when they pray, we see these four seem to be on the top of the list. And I'm continuing to read through Scripture, learn about prayer, but these four things they turn to. Number one, God, you are in control. You are sovereign. They turn and appeal to the sovereignty of God. Praise God he's in control, amen? If not, I'd be dead by tonight, trust me. If he wasn't in control, chaos. They turn to the sovereignty of God. Number two, very important, they also, and these are not in like specific order, they turn to his love. They turn to his, remember the Hebrew word, chesed. They turn and appeal to, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, your steadfast love. They turn to his love. And that will never let go. In the midst of your trials, sickness, and issues, we cry out to our loving Lord. 
And our confidence is in that. And nothing can separate us from that. Turn to my favorite chapter. Romans chapter what? Thank you. Romans 8. Romans 8. Romans 8, starting with verse 38. Appeal to this in your prayers. Turn to this. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels or demons, nor things present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. Amen? They appeal to His love. The next one that they appeal to is that He is faithful. He is true. The Hebrew word we looked at was emet. He is faithful. He is true. And that's an, this is one of the hardest areas that we have in prayer. Because we so many times when we pray to God the Father, we think, oh, and we kind of bring in our own father stuff, failure as our fathers, failure that we've had as our fathers failed us, and we just faithful. And that's an area that I cannot wait to dig into Scripture with you. And the last one is holiness. What's the most famous prayer in Scripture? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. Why does Jesus do that? They appeal to his holiness. They appeal to his holiness. What we need to do, and this is from a book called Principles of Spiritual Growth. Stanford says this. What we need to do is see what is already ours in Christ and to be aware of our need for it. To reach out in steadfast faith and receive which belongs to us in our Lord Jesus Christ. Prayer is dependence on his character and believing it and walking in it. And there's a big theological word, and it goes like this, appropriation of the truth of God's character. Appropriation? What's that? I had to use a dictionary for that one. Just kidding, that one I knew. Here, and let me just end with this example. Here is where we miss out as individuals, as families, and as a church when we don't pray. We miss out not just... We have this issue with, we we miss on the blessings of God. When I say the blessing of God, right away some of you go, oh, the blessing of God. That means I get that boat. That means I get my bills paid for. That means I get health and all. No! What if the blessings of God are, number one, intimacy with him, walking with him? And sure, some of those little things will come along, but who cares about that? I want to know God and be with him. And some of you in prayer Don't lean on the character of God and see what's right here and you miss out. Let me give you a great example. Years ago, I took a group of students to Bolivia. It was the second time I took a group. And we had about 
24 students, I think it was, it was something like that. It was pretty big. And we gathered them all up. We got ready. We, we got all our gear ready. We, we flew down to Miami. And before we went, we were trying to, a bunch of kids getting ready, and they don't have much money. So uh, we were kind of looking at prices of airline tickets. And this was just years ago. This is when you know how the price feels go up, down, up, down. And they were just going way sky high. And we we're just like, what are we going to do? Every week they're going higher, like an extra $100, extra $100. We're like, we got to purchase tickets. The kids haven't raised the money. What do we do? And then we found online, because typically we take a, a major airline that goes all the way down to Bolivia. They do it once a day. It's, a very, it's the, the airline we take, flight 922. I've been on it many times. But we couldn't afford it. We didn't budget for that. But we found a Bolivian airline. They'll take us. And it was a long, long, two or three words, L-A-B. Lloydo, Bolivia, I don't know what it was. Lab, they called it. Lab Airlines. Click, I'm buying those tickets. They're dirt cheap. We're doing it. We have no money. We have to do it. And as I was doing that, missionaries were saying, don't take Lab. Not a good, you know. And one of my sayings is, do what the missionaries do. That's one of my sayings. If that's what they're doing, you do it also. Because they know what's best. I didn't do that. Lab, we're going Lab. It's all we can do. So we flew down, and we show up. 20-some students, all of our gear. We pile into Miami. We get there. We get up to the counter, and there's Lab. I'm like, okay, great, this is great. We get up there, and he goes, all right, where's your tickets? I said, well, we've got e-tickets. I pull up the list. Here's all our things. Here's our seats, e-ticket. He goes, well, I need the tickets. So what do you mean? I said, we got this e-ticket. Well, we need actual tickets. Go back, I'm like, anybody got any tickets? No, we got this e-ticket. Look, he goes, yeah, you're, on, you're, you're scheduled to be on this plane, but we need the tickets. So I go back, call my boss. Hey, we need tickets. We need tickets? He goes in the safe and pulls out all of our tickets. Oh, we have your tickets here. Uh, somehow we didn't get them to you. I go back. Well, we, he's like, sorry, we need tickets. Next, please. Oh, what? So I call my travel agent. Yeah, you need tickets. Well, what do we do? Wow. You can pay $110 for each person to get a new ticket made. Oh, we have no money. We, what are we going to do? That will max out my credit card. What? So we finally, I'm like, kids pray. And they're like, okay. They surround. They're in this big group praying in Miami. And people walking by. All right, okay. So we pray. And then we finally get enough money. Kids are pulling out cash. We're just like, okay, we finally get enough. We pay. We're ready to pay at 6.02. Our flight leaves at like 9 or is later than that, 11.30. They take their credit card swipe. <laughs> unable to work. Unable to work. All right, every credit card, give them. Little did we know that at 6 o'clock, every credit card company pulled away from lab because they went bankrupt. Nothing worked. We are in trouble. Kids, pray again. They gather around and pray, and there's a big circle of people praying. And as they're praying, others are joining as they're walking by. We'll pray with you. It's kind of cool ministry that was happening. And... They're like, like, well, can we do something? They're like, well, maybe we can do one of those slide things, you know, the old school ones. They're like, so they're looking all over the airport for one of those. And finally they get one. They do it. Okay, now pray and rejoice. Woo! Okay, they're praying and rejoicing. Then the next one. All right, let's print your tickets. Oh, the printing machine broke. Pray again, people. It's getting close, too. We need to get our luggage through here. And finally, after all this, we get our tickets. We're able to go. One girl... I, one of our leaders, I think, she got a ticket 
some, like she got first call or something was weird with her, but it, it was fine. We all, we finally get down to Bolivia and we, we land and we're like, yeah, we made it. Wow. It was just this huge ordeal of prayer. And one of the lines that we have when we go to Bolivia is this. At a moment, we had t-shirts made up with this. At a moment's notice, praise, pray, preach, or die. And sometimes kids are saying, maybe we're going to die this time. I don't know. We get down to Bolivia. We spend two weeks doing ministry. The Lord did some great things in our hearts. In the Bolivians, it was beautiful. The night we're ready to go, two of the missionaries said, you know what? How about you come with us and let's just make sure everything's clear with the airline, just to make sure. We pull up in Santa Cruz. We get there. Here's the, the American Airlines, tons of people. Here's another airlines. We pull up to lab. It's a ghost town. No one there. They even walk in the back. No one's around. We ask the other people, and they're like, oh, lab, they're gone. No airplanes. They're, they're done. I'm like, what? We have to get home. We have all these tickets, and they are gone. Apparently, there's some corrupt things happening. Some guy took all the money and went to Argentina and was living high and mighty on some of our money. I'm not sure what all happened, but there is no one. So the missionary's like, well, I'm glad we didn't pack up all the kids, and let's go back. So I go back, and I call my boss, and I'm just like, hey, we're not coming home. He's like, what? There's no airplane around to take us home. We can't get home. Lab is gone. They are done ghost town. He's like, oh, call me back. I'm like, I'll call you back. And I said, no one contact your parents because then chaos would happen. And I'm sitting there going, what do we do? We're stuck in Bolivia. And then I remembered my wallet. Not because I had $4 in it. That wouldn't get us wallet good in Bolivia. But I remembered in my wallet, I had this card. I pull it out and I realized we had insurance. We had insurance in case Something gets lost, airlines don't work, whatever, whatever. We had insurance. So I look at my card. I call my boss. He goes, yes, let me look it up. He goes, you have $100 a day per student. I said, thank you. Okay. Put it on the credit card. Okay, great. I walk back to the room, sit with my leaders. I'm like, what do we do? Now, we could have been like, listen to this. The missionaries before us, two days before us, went, lab was there. Some people checked them through. No airline, no airplane. They walk through security, go through all the stuff, and once you go through that in South America, you have to stay there. You can't just get back. For two days they sat, cleaning out the vending machines, eating peanuts off the floor, sleeping in the thing. They were stuck in no man's land. We could have had 20-some students stuck licking peanuts. Here, you try some, it tastes good. You know, we could have been, what? Listen to this. I appropriated my insurance. I said, I'm taking this insurance. Let's use it. So what did I do? We got a hotel, the four-star hotel, which is really like a two-star hotel. And we just said, everyone get a room. We're getting rooms. We're getting, this could be great. They're like, there's a swimming pool. Woo! I sat down. I was like, okay, figure this out. We've only spent $34 today per student. Let's spend more. All right, pizza party. Call every missionary. We're coming for a pizza party. We had every missionary come get pizzas. We're like, we've only spent $50 per student. All right, 11.30, I called everyone. Get to my room right now. Everyone comes and run. What's wrong? Banana splits everywhere. Whoa, I appropriated the money that was available to us. I could only spend like $70 per student a day. I'm sure the insurance company probably wasn't happy about me and banana splits. But I was like, we have this money. It's available to us. 
I could have just let my wallet here and do nothing, and we could have licked peanuts all day and just sat on the street, and okay. But I appropriated the insurance we had. For three days, we were stuck in Bolivia. Banana splits and pizzas and four-star hotels swimming. The parents were worried, but we were like, this is great! Let's keep playing! (laughs) Then we got an airline, and they flew us home. But before that, I was realizing, I've got tons of minors with me. In a third-world country, I've got, in my wallet also, the U.S. consulate. We're stuck in Bolivia. I could call them and say, listen, get the Blackhawks, take us home. That'd be kind of fun, right? Maybe they wouldn't do that. But I'm stuck in this country. They, many of you are sitting in your heart, licking peanuts, licking the floor, and instead you could be appropriating the truth right here, the beauty of God's character and having banana splits and joy and swimming and pizza Every day, being intimate with the Lord, but you're not appropriating the truth of his character, right? So here's my prayer, church, that we would, as Luke 11, 1 says, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus begins with Father. How appropriate for Father's Day This week, I pray that you appropriate the beauty of the Father and say, Father, walk with me. Be my Father today. And some of you are going to have a hard day because your son's not going to call you. Your boy, your girl's not going to call you. Some of you don't have fathers to call because they've passed on. And this is kind of hard. But may that be diminished by the beauty of God, your Father. Don't lick the floor and sleep in the airport. Live in the beauty of the character of God and appropriate His sovereignty. Just say, God, you are sovereign in control. Let me see the beauty of that. That you are love. Let me see the beauty of the love of who you are. Let me see that you are faithful to your promises. I don't know your promises, but teach me them that I can recall them at night on my bed, as David says in Psalms, and that you'll see the beauty of his holiness as we begin to pray. Let's pray.